This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Nez and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, and as usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How Good are morning, you? Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great, certainly. Uh, what, what a difference in weather from yeah, this unbelievable. Sunday. Last, last Sunday, it probably took us an hour and a half to get in and two and a half hours to get home. And... Uh, Yesterday, I'm pleased to uh, pleased to let you know uh, that uh, shined up the golf clubs, took them out when hit uh, when hit balls at the range for about an hour, and uh, I'm looking forward to the probably golf never season. hit them any better. Never all. hit them any better. Uh, certainly uh, is something uh, uh, something different about hitting golf balls into the snow. Uh, but uh, it was warm out yesterday. It's be another fantastic day today, and. Uh, Certainly, when uh, when the weather improves and you get a little bit of sunshine, man, everybody's mood, uh, everybody's mood gets better. It does, and it uh, that's a sign of the Stanley Cup playoffs when it gets a little warmer, right? Certainly, we're, and uh, not uh, far away. We're not far away, and we're into the we're into the home stretch of the uh, of the uh, to, to the run to the playoffs. Trade deadline coming up, and. Uh, and uh, something fascinating happened on our show last Sunday that uh, we're going to be playing a clip from. Naz, you increased your uh, <laughs> your you increased your prediction percentage to I think you're probably over sixty percent now. So my co-host here and partner Naz, uh, his uh, his percentage has gone up because last Sunday on this show, and we're going to play the clip just uh, just after our first break. Uh, and uh, and uh, and before I even mention that, I want to tell our listeners who our guests are coming up today. Uh, for, right after the first break, Michael Trakos, of course, the national hockey writer for Post Media News, uh, talking about some uh, stories from the week. And a fascinating story in the middle of the hour coming. A friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, of course, is the owner of the Ottawa Senators, Eugene Melnick, who has started an initiative this week called the Oregon Project. The Oregon Project is an initiative started by Eugene, and it's it's meant to save lives. It's already started saving lives, and uh, we're thrilled that we'll be talking to Eugene Melnick about that. Yeah, he'll be happy about his senators last night, yeah. too. Uh, certainly will be happy about the senators, but last week, Naz, you increased your uh, percentage over 60% of true predictions. You got it right. Uh, the scuttlebutt had been, but... Uh, you you got it right down perfect. Uh, the Habs were going to fire Michel Therrien, and they were going to hire Claude Julien. And uh, that happened in the middle of the week. And uh, you uh, you went through the analysis last Sunday, and uh, it came to pass. Naz, uh, so congratulations on that pick. And uh, go back and tell us your analysis of uh, what came down in Habland. Well, it, 
Price and uh, and uh, Tyrion were feuding a bit, and I, I think that's what caused this whole thing. Now I'm I'm hearing that uh, Julian was being offered by somebody else in the NHL a coaching position, right? And Montreal stepped in and hired him right away. So I thought it would take a little longer than it did, but it happened last Tuesday, and it's incredible that it did happen. Do the Habs fire Tarion if Julian's not available? Uh, I I would say not, but because Julian was available, they they did they. I knew that would that would happen eventually, but I didn't think it would happen that quick. It's going to be a pretty tough decision for the Boston general manager, uh, or maybe it's not a tough decision. Maybe he didn't even think about it, didn't care about it. But uh, he must have thought when he hired Claude. Sorry, when he hired when he fired Claude Julian, that uh, you know what? In a few days' time. Uh, he's not. He's going to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and now I'm helping out my my most hated rival. I'm firing my coach, and I'm helping out my most hated rival, and in the division at the same time. Does that thought process happen? I I, I don't know. I, I I think they had they they had to make a move there because Julian had been there in ten years, right? And they hadn't made the playoffs in the past two years, and I guess uh, Cam Neely felt that uh, they should have made the playoffs with the talent they have. And they're they're in the playoff run, so you never know. They, they could make it. The one thing is that Boston and Montreal do not play each other again in the regular season, but they could meet, meet up in the playoffs. That, that would be one hell of a matchup, uh, Boston and Montreal in the, in the first round of the playoffs and Claude Julien behind the Montreal bench coaching against a team that he just he just got fired from. If you put the pieces together, the other team that uh, there's two teams that could have been in negotiation with uh, with uh, Julian. One is Vancouver Canucks, and the other is the Calgary Flames. They're both in a situation where they need new coaches, and um, I think one of those two teams were were the teams that Julian was talking to. Well, because I can see Burke making a splash like that, you know. Oh, absolutely. And Cole Julian is. Uh... You know, next to next to Mike Babcock is probably, um, it, or and even and his name how can, how can his name possibly escape me? Um, Quenville, the coach in Chicago, uh, Julian and Quenville are two, uh, other than Babcock, probably the most respected coaches in all of hockey. Maybe Hitchcock, but Hitchcock tends to have a shorter shelf life than the rest of them. He, he's he's a great coach, but after about two or three years, the players seem to have enough of him. But uh, uh, Julien, you know, when the Bruins fired him, they fired one of the most respected coaches in all of hockey, and you knew it was just he he was going to get multiple offers, multiple offers to uh, to coach in in all kinds of different places, and. Uh, and you got to give uh, you got to give Bergevin credit in Montreal. Um, gutsy move, but you know he he uh, he assessed the situation really quickly, and he said, "If I don't grab Claude Julien right now, uh, I'm not going to get him." And he he assessed. He read the tea leaves. He made a short term decision, and also made a long term decision. And you know what? Uh, Bergevin's made some bold moves in the last year, and. Uh, they look terrible yesterday. You know, he took, Coming off the bye, they look terrible against Winnipeg. Well, you so. know, they're in a little bit of a... Uh, the Habs are in... A, I mean, they've done this two years in a row, and last year they had the excuse they could blame it on Carey Price's injury. Uh, this year, um, right now, they don't have that excuse. I mean, they start off like gangbusters two years in a row. And uh, and now, since I think since the beginning of January, they've got the worst record in hockey, and they've got the best goalie in hockey. 
I mean, appreciate the fact that a couple of their players got injured, Galchiniak and Gallagher, but, you know, they've they got a lineup now, and, uh, man, they don't look so good. They should, uh, the coaching, uh, the Quenville, uh, Vignon, and uh, Julian should be thanking Mike Babcock for their increase in pay because, because of the contract Babcock signed with the Leafs. All these other coaches are making more money. Julian's making $5 million a year. Well, they're top-tier coaches, right? And uh, Babcock, you know, you make a really good point, Naz. Uh, he, he set a new bar for coaching salaries. I mean, the uh, prior to that uh, huge increase, I mean, uh, the, the bar had been in the 2 $3 million range, and now it's up in the 6 7 you know, 5 to $7 million range uh, for, for, the, for the elite coaches. And all the NHLs, all that's happening is the NHL is becoming like every other uh, – major sports league that's that's what you know that's what uh top tier coaches go for in in the other sports if not more so it's it's a nhl's playing catch up and yeah babcock babcock was a trailblazer anyways nas uh really really quickly last night uh legends before we go to break uh, legends row announcement down at the uh down at the acc four new uh um inductees uh, of course wendell uh, wendell clark Charlie Conacher and uh, Frank Mahalich and Red Kelly. Um, Can't yeah. argue with those guys. <laughs> no, I, I, you get no quibble with, from me on mm-hmm. any of those guys. Um, and generally, all class acts, aside from being, uh, I mean, I, I mean, you know. Can't speak. Uh, Charlie Conacher was way, way before our era, but the interesting stat about Charlie Conacher, he won the NHL points title five five times in his career, and uh, no no Leaf. Uh, uh, I don't think a Leaf has won the points total since uh, it was a may have been Gordy Gordy Tr- Drillin. Gordy Drillin in the thirties. Yeah. But surely, surely Charlie Conacher. It, uh, some people when after hearing that said. I was I, I looked up at it and I said I was actually at the ACC last night. I looked up at it because they announced him first, and I said, "Wow, is he not in there?" Yeah, uh, is Charlie Conacher? I mean, I was I was a little bit astounded. I, I took a I took a step back. I said, "Charlie Conacher's not already on Legends Row if he's not one of the greatest Toronto Maple Leafs of all time." I mean, some people made the argument. You know, we always argued for Dave Keon, but that's because we saw Dave Keon play. We never saw Charlie Conacher, but if you look at Charlie Conacher's career, I mean, it, it, you can make the argument he's the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time. Um, so certainly uh, long overdue. I uh, want to wrap this part of it up really quickly. There's two people that are not on Legends Row that I think should be there. After all, the motif is a bench. And you've got people jumping over the bench. You've got people sitting on the bench. You've got people standing. What it's missing is the general behind the bench. Punch Imlach. Punch Imlach. Punch Imlach deserves to be on Legends Row. Uh, Legends Row needs a coach. Um, I hope they can find a place for him. Not the most beloved um, personality in Toronto sports history, but in my humble opinion, uh, Punch Imlach should be there and Con Smythe, the builder, should be there. You need a coach and a builder to complete Legends Row. Hopefully now, we as long see as that. He, as long as we don't put Joe Scrow in as a trainer. That <laughs> hey, you need a trainer I, too. I, I could be convinced. Okay. <laughs> I could be convinced. But uh, definitely Punch and Con Smythe. In my, in my opinion, my respectful opinion, um, should be bronzed at Legends Row. One point about Red Kelly. All-star defenseman, all-star forward. He played both positions at an all-star level. That's incredible. 
And an incredible gentleman. People forget he was a member of parliament for York West in 1964 to 1960. Sorry, 1962 to 1964. He was a member of parliament in Ottawa. And I'm trying to conceive of how he played hockey. And and apparently he used to take the train to Ottawa uh, to fulfill his duties and uh, never shirked his duties as a parliamentarian, uh, an esteemed graduate of St. Michael's College, as was uh, as was Frank Mahovlich. And and by all accounts, you're talking about the four gentlemen last night. Not only incredible hockey players, but incredible gentlemen. Uh, nobody's got a bad word to say about any of these guys. Just just class, class personified in all four of them. We're going to go to break, Naz, and I just remind, want to remind our listeners, when we come back from the break, we'll have Michael Traco, senior hockey writer, uh, national hockey writer for Post Media News. We're also going to play your clip from last Sunday where Naz predicts the firing of Michel Therrien, and the hiring of Claude Julien. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. If you live and breathe basketball, Saturday's just got a whole lot better. Brand new to Yes TV, the Canadian Basketball League is a new home of great basketball action in Canada. Playing every Saturday on Yes TV. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the full coverage live every Saturday at 8 p.m. on Yes TV. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. I got to tell you about Montreal, what's happening there. Please because, tell me. Uh, they're going to make a coaching change very soon. I think. Can today, they bring PK back? Well, they'll never bring PK back now. <sighs> I'm but, so upset. I'm still uh, upset. Tarion, Tarion won't, be, won't last very long. And you can hear Claude Julien going to Montreal all over the place on Naz, this. Naz, you're always, you're always out there with these, uh, with these predictions. Well, I kind of called they're Hitchcock. Not, they're, not, and, they're, not firing, uh, they're not firing the coach before the end of the year. I don't know. Why do you think that might happen? <laughs> 
I am told that Price and Tyrion do not get along. They had the one incident coming off the ice when he got when he got pulled. Yeah. And uh, things are not rosy there. Yeah. And if one and guy's it, leaving, it's not going to be Price. price right. It won't be Price. Uh, Interesting. Well, Naz, Naz, uh, just so you know, Marcy, if, uh, he's all he's always out there for predictions, and I'd say, what's your what's your uh, percentage uh, rate these days? <laughs> Listen, I trust you. I do. Naz, the prognosticator, I'm going with you. Uh, when this uh, happens, I'm calling. Yeah, okay. so we were ahead of the curve on Babcock. Babcock uh, we were a little bit off on Stamkos, but uh, we got Babcock right. Babcock we, was a big one. Yeah, yeah. We uh, and you're you're pretty good, Naz. I'll give you credit. Your uh, you your just, predictions you are. You can just tell the way the the Habs are playing too. They're not playing very well. Anyways, good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We just played a clip from last Sunday, and uh, I'm eating humble pie this morning, Naz. Uh, congrats on, on your pick. Uh, you got it right. Your prediction rate is now over 60%, and uh, I put my tail between my legs, and I bow to you. Anyways, we wanted, we've had Michael Trakos uh, holding on the line. Michael Trakos is, of course, the national hockey writer for Post Media News. Uh, welcome back to the show, Michael. Uh, good morning. Hey, good morning, Naz. Who should I bet on, man? Come on. Anyways, uh, Michael. I'm talk to you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, uh, Michael, that was uh, that was our show from last Sunday. We had Marcy Ian in from uh, from CTV, formerly of uh, of Canada AM, and now on the social on CTV. And she's a huge Habs fan, and we got into that discussion. And uh, Naz, I thought at the time went off the rails, but uh, I, like I said, I bow to him this morning, and I bow to you as well, Michael, because. On on Monday uh, of this week, uh, uh, you wrote, uh, and I quote, Habs need to fire Terry on now. So you got it right as well, my friend. Uh, you may be Naz, one. You, you may be another mother, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you may be one day later than Naz, but uh, you got it right, uh, Michael. Thanks. Once again, thanks for joining us and uh, bring us up to speed. Uh, you're obviously... Uh, Senior uh, National Hockey Writer for Post Media News, you've got insights uh, that perhaps uh, we might not have. What happened in Montreal and uh, what was uh, Bergevin pulled the trigger pretty quick? Uh, give us give us a recap on that move. Yeah, well, you know what? It was no secret the team was stumbling. And when you're relying on Carey Price to literally single-handedly win you games, and when Carey Price is looking a little human, I think, they, I think it exposed a lot of their faults that maybe – um, were kind of glossed over um, during their beginning stretch run. And, you know, a lot of people look at it and go, how is a first-place team in the Atlantic Division firing their coach? What's going on there? But when you peel away the layers, you realize that uh, this is a team that wasn't playing up to its potential. Um, and, again, when I say um, put another goaltender in Montreal, and this team's probably not even a playoff team based on how they were actually uh, playing. Uh, one of the worst teams in generating shots, one of the worst teams in scoring goals. Um, that can't happen, especially when you've got an all-world goaltender and you've got a guy in Shea Weber who could quite possibly um, in another year win a Norris Trophy. So um, I think this five-day break was an excuse. I think the fact that Claude Julien, when he became available, I actually went on the Jeff Blair show um, and told Jeff, I said, and if the Montreal Canadiens are smart, uh, they would drop whatever they're doing right now and try to find a way to get Claude Julien into Montreal because at the end of the year, they're going to be looking for a coach and Claude Julien's not going to be there and their options are going to be severely limited. And when you've got a guy in Claude who's probably a top three, maybe top four coach in the NHL, those guys don't come around very often. Um, and when they do, just like with the Leafs and Babcock, you have to move heaven and earth to try to get them. So uh, I think it was almost kind of a perfect storm 
Um, they needed a little bit of a jolt. Um, we didn't see it yesterday in that loss to Winnipeg, but uh, believe me, this is a different Montreal Canadiens team than it was a week ago. Michael, the five-day buy that these teams get, the record is 3-16-3 for the teams coming off the buy and going into a game. Why is that? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't looked hard enough at it. I don't know if it's guys are trying to sweat out the liquor that they put into the body <laughs> during that. That's just a... I know when I come back from, I always say to my wife, I go, I need a vacation after my vacation because I'm a mess, man. <laughs> you're staying up late, you're drinking, um, you're just not in a great mindset. And I, I think that's partially to blame. Um, there's another stat I think uh, is going to come out at the end of the year where we look at um, how teams fared who had the early break, who had the middle break, and who had the late break. Um, and I think there's going to be three different kind of stories to tell there, too. But I just think you're coming off that extended break, whereas the team that you're playing probably didn't have that break. So they're still in game mode, and you're still trying to, like I said, <laughs> sweat out all the toxins that you put into your body, uh, whether it was in Key Largo or Montego Bay. The Buffalo Sabres, and we have a lot of listeners in uh, western New York, <clears throat> and the, three weeks ago they were right out of it. They're only one point out now. What's going on with that? Well, it's amazing what a healthy Jack Eichel can do for your team. <laughs> and I think um, ever since he's been in the lineup, the team's been trending up, and it's taken him a little while, and that's probably due to the standings uh, um, kind of jam that the – the extra point brings you. And even though they're one point out, it's still kind of hard for them to kind of leapfrog past those two other teams in the Islanders and the Leafs to get into that playoff spot. Um, but yeah, it's like I always said, uh, the Leafs have been really, really fortunate up until this point now, um, now that Marner's out, um, that they hadn't suffered really a serious injury. Like they had the injury to Morgan Riley, but imagine this team without Austin Matthews for, um, two months of the season or imagine them without Marner for another month. Um, and this is a team with forward depth. You look at Buffalo and when you lose Jack Eichel, who is everything flows offensively through this guy, there is no way that this is the same team. Um, and he comes back and you know what? He's been fantastic. And the team's been really, really good. And like I said, they've been trending upwards and uh, a lot of it also depends on Robin Lehner, who's playing a little better than he did at the beginning of the year. Um, but you know what? This is still a good Buffalo Sabres team. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to get into the playoffs, but the fact that they're competing um, it bodes well, at least for them, for the future. And we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael's, of course, the national hockey writer for Post Media News, and you can find his tremendous work locally in the Toronto Sun in the National Post. Michael, uh, Claude Julien comes in. It's uh, my, Michel Therrien gets fired in 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 uh, in the parlance. They're calling it. Teams are looking for the bump. You kill you uh, you get rid of your coach and you're hoping for a bump. And that happened in Florida when they got rid of Gallant. Florida's back in the uh, playoff race. Uh, it happened when they got rid of Hitchcock in St. Louis. And St. Louis has uh, went on a little tear. Uh, last year in Pittsburgh, they fire the coach. They bring in Mike Sullivan to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, other other uh, Daryl Sutter, Dan Bilesma came in in the middle of seasons and won Stanley Cups. What's the bump, and why does it happen? You, you'd have to get, get a psychologist on the line to, to figure out what this bump is, because I don't think coaches are going in there and drastically getting at the whiteboard and saying, all right, 
you did it this way, now you're doing it this way. And um, X's and O's, and um, this isn't football where all of a sudden you've got a whole new playbook, so to speak. I think a lot of it is just change of fa- uh, change of personality. I think players, more than anything, want to impress the new guy that's calling the shots. And whether you're a third-line guy that thinks he should be on the first line, and we've seen it now with even Galchenyuk, where he gets bumped up to uh, the top line with Pacioretty and Radulov, media under Julian. I think that has an effect where you're going, hey, I got a new boss here to impress. If I do impress him, I'm going to get more minutes, and that's going to benefit me more than anything else. So I think a lot of times players really wear the, the coaching firing on themselves and say, yeah, okay, that's a clear-cut sign that we have to be better as a group. And um, coach is gone. The next step is either the GM's gone or I'm packing my bags and I'm moving off to another uh, city. So uh, I think a lot of that is just psychological. Um, sometimes you get a coach who's been like a, a Mike Keenan type of throw the hammer down and you get a guy who's a player coach. And I think we've seen that with Hitchcock getting firing and Mike Yo coming in. Everyone I've talked to said Mike Yo is a total players coach and it's just so easy to play for him. Um, and we saw that even last year with Sullivan replacing Mike Johnson in Pittsburgh where all the guys in the minors who had been playing for him said, hey, this guy's basically, he's like a Reg Dunlop out there. He's he, he's such a, um, he's so friendly to the players. He understands what we've gone through because it wasn't too long ago that he went through it. So um, I don't know what if that's going to happen in Montreal to that extent where um, Tarion is so different than Julian. All I know is everyone I've talked to about close Julian, whether it's Mike Babcock or uh, some of the players that play for him, they have nothing about respect. Even my colleague Mike Zeisberger did a nice story where he uh, got the Dano Charo talking about Julian. And this is a guy that uh, had played for him for a number of years. And uh, Charo was really kind of emotional in the sense that um, he really liked Claude didn't think he got a fair deal and getting fired, but it's part of the business, and he wished him all the luck, and he said Montreal is going to be a better team for it. So um, I think that therein lies uh, the so-called bump. And the, the, the challenge is um, to extend that bump from, what, like a month into the season uh, to something prolonged. And it'll be interesting to see how all those coaches fare uh, once we get into the playoffs. Michael, what do you, if I give you a what-if what if the Montreal Canadiens do not make the playoffs? How do they restructure the team? And they got Radulov, who is uh, only signed for one year. He's negotiating a five, six-year contract. What happens? Not, what if? He's not saying they're, uh, <laughs> they're missing the playoffs. I, I'm not so sure they're going to make it, to tell you the truth, because I don't believe right? I, I, I don't believe that. I, I believe Claude Julien's a great coach, but a great, a great coach can only go so far. I don't think the talent is there, Michael. I don't. You know, Up front, they look terrible. Here's here's what I always say. Don't bet against the goaltender. And for years, uh, no matter how the Rangers were stumbling into the playoffs or um, going to that stretch run and you're going, hey, this is an old team. Why are they getting players? And I always just said, listen, they got Henrik Lundqvist in there. I'm picking the goaltender to win me one game in the NHL. It's Henrik Lundqvist. Same thing with Price. Price is... He reads. He knows what he's doing right now. He knows that he's not playing his best hockey. He heard his GM say, "Oh, listen, uh, am I worried about Carey Price? No. Do we, does he need to be better? Yes. You don't think that cup travels to, all the way back to him? Of course it does. So I'm not betting against Carey Price. If I think any team can get into the playoffs based on one goalie, it's Montreal with Price. So 
they'll be fine. If they aren't fine, say Price gets injured, this this team completely goes off the cliff and they just keep um, keep on the nosedive down the standings and they end up missing the playoffs. That happens. I'm still not worried about Montreal. They have a window that is open past this year. This is not a one-and-done scenario for them. Uh, Weber's coming back. Price is coming back. They got a defenseman in Windsor who's going to the Memorial Cup and Mikhail uh, Sergachev, who I saw at the World Juniors, is just fantastic. He's going to be a number one, number two defenseman in the next couple of years. So these guys are going to be fine. When you got Gallagher, when you got Galchenyuk, you've got a lot of young bodies still. They'll find a way to sign Radulov. I think he's happy there. I think having Shea Weber, a former teammate, uh, who can almost kind of uh, watch over him, is going to be good for Radulov and has been good for him. So. Um, I'm not worried about the Canadians. I think they're going to be uh, set up for the next couple of years at least. Michael, uh, we've been talking to Michael Trakos, National Hockey Writer, Post Media News. Unfortunately, Michael, we've uh, got to get, let you go. We've got Eugene Melnick holding on the line, and we've got to get to him. And uh, on your last comments, you certainly made all the Habs fans uh, happy. Uh, we would love to have you for more time this morning. I only got through about half the questions I want to ask you. There's so much more to talk about, and we'll have to do it another time. Michael, I know you always take time for us on a Sunday morning, and we sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, guys. Keep those predictions coming, all right? <laughs> we, we, well, thanks. That's, of course, is Michael Trakos. Uh, we're going to break now. As soon as we come back from break, we'll have Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Centres, talking about the Organ Project, uh, a significant, significant life-saving initiative that he uh, he's put together, and we're thrilled to talk to him about it. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked... Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams? This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A medium thin crust is just $12.99. One bite and you'll say, Lew, wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. CDLTickets.com is how you get your family up close and in the action. Canada is the new home for up-and-coming basketball talent. Good players, great basketball, international rules. Watch the Canadian Basketball League and make an exciting sports night for the whole family that won't break the bank. Go to CBLTickets.com and purchase tickets starting as low as $15.50. CBLTickets.com. Give the gift of basketball. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. 
You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can also tune us in on 96.7 FM. Uh, we're pleased to uh, have returned to us uh, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, the owner of the Ottawa Senators, Eugene Melnick. Good morning, Eugene. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. Good morning, Walter. Uh, good morning, and thanks so much for joining us. I know you must be uh, happy this morning. The Senators uh, uh, laid one on the, on the Leafs last night. Uh, all the blue and white fans are not too happy this morning, but I'm sure you are. But the Senators are looking good, Eugene, and uh, just very, very briefly because we've got a really important topic to talk about. But uh, you must be thrilled uh, how the Senators are performing this year. They seem under Guy Boucher and Crawford... Uh, they seem to have everything uh, playing very, very well. Your impressions? Well, what's nice to finally see is that um, the um, determination, they've always had determination, but I think it goes to another level once you get to this part of the season. And, and if a team doesn't, they can just start you know, pulling out their golf clubs. But I think, uh, you know, I'm very, very pleased of uh, how they've done lately. Last night was probably, I think, the most important game of the year so far. And um, to come back like that and win, although disheartening to Leaf fans, uh, <laughs> you know, it was still a great, great game. Well, there was, so what was heart- heartening to Leaf fans, and I'm sure to you as well, is uh, a couple Legends Row announcements last night. Uh, Frank Mahalwich and Red Kelly, some good St. Mike's boys, and I know that you're a, you're a St. Michael's College boy as well, so... Uh, that was great uh, that, seeing them. Certainly, certainly nice to see, but uh, we want to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about something really, really important. Um, it's, it's an initiative you started um, and significantly uh, uh, involved in, and um, it's called the Organ Project. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we, we want to talk about how, where this came from, because we know that you, uh, you uh, went through some very difficult times a few years ago, uh, Eugene, and... Uh, some some kind person and a lot of kind people um, lined up uh, essentially to save your life. Um, and that happened a couple of years ago. Um, you, you received a liver donation. So please tell us a little bit about that and how that motivated you to start what you did. And tell us a little bit about your health today as a result of that. That's great. I had... Um well, it started with me getting uh, just ill. You know, I just started feeling really crummy and walking around with the stomach aches, and I just didn't understand what was wrong. I'd never been sick in my life, uh, nothing serious. But um, then, uh, you know, I started uh, getting tested in New York with gastroenterologists and all, all the testing that goes into, like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? And then um, eventually... Uh, I started looking externally. You know, my face was starting to look a little uh, colored, uh, my eyes and everything. And they finally sent me to a liver specialist in Toronto. And uh, it's Dr. Florence Wong. And she turned uh, around and within less than 24 hours, and she was traveling, um, determined after all the testing, she says, my God, you've got to get in there. Um, Your liver system is failing. I ran to TGH like 4.30 in the morning, and I was greeted by uh, Dr. Uh, Atul Humar, who heads up the transplant, uh, the whole transplant units there. And uh, 
he told me that I've got, to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be lucky if I can get, a, first of all, a bed. Uh, but I did within a few hours. And then secondly, um, they're going to put me on this list of some sort. I knew nothing about what was going on. I was still stunned from the word transplant. And I find out that there's, a, you know, it's not, you know, check in, we'll do testing, and we can have you up for surgery within a week. It's check in, we'll do all the tests, and then we'll wait for an organ. And that wait, I was, well, I was very, very lucky because uh, I was so close to death. It was, you know, the doctors now told, tell me, they said, you know, they went home some nights and uh, they didn't expect to see me the next morning. And uh, I was lucky because, first of all, I, I was unlucky in that I had very rare uh, blood types. And uh, I had an A, I'm an AB, which is one of, is the rarest. And um, I was on a, this a list. Eventually, I shot up to the top of the list because, unfortunately, the sicker you get, the higher you are on the list, believe it or not, at the end. Initially, you just get into the lineup and that's it, and they try to move you up right at the end if they can. But there was no ABs, and I sat in that hospital, I think, from February. I, uh, I had a break to go to um, Bridgepoint uh, Hospital in Scarborough. And that was great. I was there for a month, and then uh, they brought me back because I, I couldn't go home to Barbados because once they call you, you've got to be – you're pretty much on the table in four hours. Uh, but they need you there in two hours, and I couldn't get there from Barbados, and I'd miss every opportunity. So I ended up having to stay, and I stayed right through till May when they finally decided, look, you don't have time. Uh, you are dying. And uh, people convinced me because I kept it private. Uh, to do a public plea. They said that's the only way. My little daughter said, look, Dad, if you can either die and be private or you're, you can live and go public. And coming from a then 12-year-old, it was um, all I needed. And we did a public plea. And uh, thank God we had over 2,000 phone calls that weekend. And um, they eventually honed it down to 200 uh, by a pre-screen and then down to the final 20. So 200, we, they started going through all the testing, and they were fortunate to very quickly get to the 20. But the, this was not a obviously deceased. It was a live liver donation, which is not much different um, as far as outcomes are concerned than the deceased. But just to remind everyone, deceased is when you die, and you have chosen to, to be a donor. You filled out... Uh, either a card or online or your driver's license. And um, uh, then, uh, you know, they extract the, the organ and uh, they put it in, like, right away. They walk from one room to another, that, you know, after all the things they have to do to it. But uh, that's my story. It's uh, May 19th. I had the, in two, uh, 2015, so only, not even two years. I had this 11-hour uh, operation. And... Um, I came out, and now you were asking how I am. I'm like 150%, 150,000%, feeling great, very energetic, um, ready to take on the world. Eugene? So it's, um, it's really a great miracle of life that we're now at the stage that it's not routine by any means. So it's a big operation, but they have done so many, and Toronto should be extremely proud uh, with the reputation they have at, uh, you know, in the medical centers throughout uh, Toronto and Ottawa and Canada, that uh, is glo a global reputation as the best of the best yeah. in transplant.
talking. And um, there's some wonderful doctors. Dr. Cottrell was uh, the one that did the surgery on me, and he was just uh, a champion. But there was a whole team. I think there was, just before they put me out, a dozen people in that room. Wow. Zipping around, yeah. Eugene, you, um, um, there's one stat that I'm sure motivated you, aside from your um, what you went through, is Canada's deceased donor rate is about one half of other similar countries. Yeah. And that, I'm sure that stat is striking in and of itself. And the Organ Project, the mission of the Organ Project, which you've started, is to save lives by ending organ transplant weightless. Tell us about the Organ Project. Sure. Tell us about how people can reverse that striking statistic that we're one half of the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Tell us Tell us what the Organ Project does. Tell us how our listeners can help. I'll tell you, how, it's, it's very, very simple. <clears throat> what you have, uh, and that's the Organ Project's job, is a mandate, is to go out and to talk about organ transplant uh, and try to encourage people to simply check out, like, fill out the form. We have a website that we're going to be promoting, promoting, promoting for the sole purpose of getting people, and it doesn't matter what age you are. You could be from little to my mo- I was signing up my mother this morning. I'm here in Barrie, Ontario. Uh, she's 83 years old. But she, you know, you never know. If um, there's one organ or one tissue that they could use, they'll use it. And uh, if not, then not. It's a very very uh, respectful operation. They treat it no different than any other uh, surgery. And it's very quick, very, very fast. Before you've even gotten to the hospital, it's done. If, but they need, a, also you have to tell your family. It's no different, Walter, it's no different than when you have a talk with somebody close and look, if I go, one, I want to either be cremated or not. I want a funeral that is open casket or not. And if it's open casket, this is what you want to wear. You've got to tell somebody that stuff. Otherwise, everybody's bumbling around, and they're trying to mourn you. The third part should be, are you an organ? do you want to donate any organ? That's all we ask. If you register, it's not the end of the story, because you can register, but they also like a final nod from a family member. And um, so you've got to tell somebody uh, that, hey, by the way, I'm an organ donor. If you go to the organ project, Dot net. You can register instantly, and I absolutely assure you, or you get two box seats, any case you want. Uh, it takes less than two minutes to, to fill it. Not even that. You'd be shocked how simple. And if you register, first things first, remember, you are no longer with us. You don't feel it. You're, you're gone. You're a goner. You are clinically dead. Um, you've died, and they don't even go to the organ transplant people until you're really declared deceased. And then they, everything moves extremely quick. But, you know, we've got to get rid of uh, any stigma people may have. You'd never even know that somebody uh, gave their organs. And it truly is, for me, is, you know, for sure, is a gift of life. And you are tr- – and by the way, I spoke to somebody yesterday that had a, um, a close person die to them. And they did donate. And they said, you know, in the healing process – and this was a daughter that died, and she was very young – said, you know, the healing process – was so much easier for me because I knew that she lived on in somebody else and that her life was, despite everything nice things that she did, the last act was she gave life to others. And it's great for the healing. It, 
and it takes nothing to sign up. You don't have to do anything other than, I think it's your name, your OHIP number. Uh, it's very minimal, but at least you're registered. And it's not with the Oregon Project. You're actually technically, when you see the screen, it'll pop you to the province, and you're filling out the official form there. Eugene, um, question for you, because what came up in my mind was the, the actual donor that donated uh, the organ to you. Can you tell me a bit about him or her? We don't know. I don't know anything. Oh, wow. Uh, I like it. I kind of like it that way. They came in and said anonymous, which says a lot because I had a lot of publicity. And if somebody wanted to kind of try to get a glow out of it, they could have. I'm the guy that saved this guy's life. Uh, No, uh, I don't know if it's a man or a woman. I don't know how old they are. Uh, But I'll tell you, that's a little different. And we'll talk about that about a year from now. Once we get through everybody signing up, as many people signing up for the deceased organs. But I had a live liver wow. um, uh, transplant where the person's actually fully alive and they, they go in, they get uh, under and they, they operate. They can take two-thirds of a liver out and that will regrow in 90 days, believe it or not. Eugene, Eugene, uh, we're talking to Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators and the, started the initiative, the Organ Project dot and you can find it at theorganproject.net. Eugene, I want to ask you, because uh, that's interesting. The donor was anonymous. If you had the chance to meet your donor, what would you say to him or her? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to see a hockey game, you know, that kind of... Uh, I, I wouldn't even know what to say. It's um, other than, you know, thank them very much and uh, applaud them for what they did. And it, by the way, it happens all the time. There's, so, you know, so your listeners know... In Ontario alone, 1,500 people are on that list this very second. A third of them will die. At least 400, 300, three to 400 will die waiting on that list. They just, I know somebody was telling me in the hospital just three days ago. They said, oh, I feel like crap. You know, I just, uh, you know, had to tell a family they're off the list because, you know, they've been waiting too long and there's other people that are sicker, they're getting on and stuff. You got to get rid of this. This is this is such an easy fix. If everybody just said, "I want to do it," um, and we're going to do our damnest to get this out, to make sure that people recognize it, it's not, you know, it's got a stigma to it that it shouldn't. And I'm telling you, the whole family feels much, much better when it's finally done because they do believe that, you know, it's it, there's no religious restrictions whatsoever, uh, other than under one. Uh, Basically, it's a, mainly an Asian uh, type. Uh, it's an Asian um, uh, religion, and that is where they believe in the reincarnation, and they just cannot give up uh, any part of their bodies. But every other one, I don't care. You name it, I'll tell you. It's uh, We've done our research. We've done our homework, and there's no excuse. There you, really is no excuse. Eugene, one last question. We thank you so much for taking the time and uh, educating our listeners about this incredible initiative of yours. One last question, one little, little bit about Eugene Melnick. Uh, I, 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 obviously, to state the obvious, uh, what you've gone through is a, is a, a life-changing experience. That's, that's a pretty simple uh, uh, conclusion to draw. But I want to know, uh, I want to I look at the inside of Eugene Melnick a little bit more. Uh, Eugene Melnick, 2010. Eugene Melnick, 2017. What's the difference? Um, I think just from a 
I, I, just let, let me just talk about the humanity of it. It just it drink it draws you to when you get this that close to to death. Uh, you really have a lot of stuff zipping through your head when they're finally telling you, you know, we got to get this going. Um, then it just there's a there's more of an urgency in life. I think you, you realize you're not going to be around, and uh, whatever you want to do, get it done now. And say to people, whatever you want to say, do it now or forever. Uh, it could be forever you're going to have to keep your peace. So that's the difference, I think. There's an urgency, and I want to leave a mark with this so that, that at least I walk away and say, hey, I solved at least one major health problem in this world. We've been talking uh, to you. And that's the difference. Yeah. Eugene, thank I uh, want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this important, important project. Well, thank and, you very much. I didn't mention our. I did not mention our gala. If you go to our website, okay. we've got Carrie Underwood coming March thirty first at the Royal York. And, and people it, can check you out at theorganproject.net. I'm just going to wrap this up, Eugene, by saying the following: Congratulations, the Organ Project is a mission to save lives. Uh, Eugene, you already have saved some lives, and there are many more lives that will be re- saved as a result of your efforts. Uh, keep up the good work and keep well. Thank you, Walter, and thank you for giving me the time. It's our pleasure. Thanks so much, Eugene. Thanks. Bye-bye. That was Eugene Melnick. Interesting story. What a story. I didn't know that, uh, that they are, they're anonymous and they don't know who the donor is. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. interesting. Um, yeah, that would uh, um, be interesting to see if you ever met one. Uh, ever met, uh, well, they're anonymous, anonymous in the sense of Eugene's. Uh, uh, I have seen situations where maybe this is in the United States, maybe the, maybe there's a different law, rule or law in Canada, but I'm sure we've seen situations uh, on TV or whatever where um, a recipient meets the family of, of a donor. I, maybe that may be a United States thing or some other places in the world. Maybe that's not a Canadian thing, but man, that must be an incredibly emotional experience. Yeah, I'm sure it was, and I'm sure it uh, is for anyone, really. Anyways, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, we wouldn't mind taking a couple of quick calls. I'll read out the numbers. Uh, uh, 416-360-0740. 1-866-740-4740. Uh, five minutes left. We've got time for a couple of quick calls. If you want to call in, I'll read out those numbers again. 416 360 740 Give us a quick call. We'll get you on the air. Naz, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, the topic du jour that never leaves us is, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the beloved blue and white. Um, things are getting a little bit tougher because hockey in February is tougher. Um, um some mistakes in the game last night in the third period. Uh, they got first of all they got down two zip in the first period. You know they came back like gangbusters three two. Thought they had it turned around and uh, you know a Morgan Riley mistake and uh, you know a bad penalty I call it from Nazem Kadri in the offensive zone putting the clutches on Carlson I believe and that three two lead became a four three Ottawa lead like literally uh in a couple of a couple of minutes. My concern with the Leafs is that uh, they're playing so poorly at home. They play really well on the road, but at home they're not winning and that's uh that's you need to do that to succeed and uh they may be out of the playoffs. You never know. I still think they're well, gonna get in, but 
I mean, as it's, as it, <laughs> I guess when we went to went to sleep last night, the Leafs were still in a playoff spot, and when we woke up, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Naz, but Florida won on the West Coast last night. Yeah, they did again. That's two in a row. And uh, and they've jumped uh, and they've jumped ahead of the Leafs. So it's it's going to be the Leafs knee cannot afford a losing streak right now, um, and that's the bottom line. Uh, they can't go where they lose four out of five or six out of seven, and they'll be out of it. They'll, they won't be able to climb. The, they won't be able to climb back into it. Uh, there won't be enough time. So they got it. They you know they've been. You know, last couple of weeks, up and down. Uh, I don't want to over exaggerate. They got to turn the ship around, but they got to turn the ship around. And the the, the Marner, the Marner injury didn't help. Um, uh, and uh, you know, we've got a caller. We'll go to. We'll take the call. Um, good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. It's our good friend Kevin. How are you this morning, Kevin? A very very pleasant early Sunday to you and. Excellent interview with Ottawa Senators, Mr. Melnick. And calling a quick comment, I happened to notice a few weeks ago, interesting transaction in the NFL, the Toronto Argos coach is now an assistant with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And just an interesting transaction, and just, just simply wanted to mention that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a quarterback coach, I, think, I understand, with Jacksonville. Uh, and he's gone into uh, he's gone to the NFL. They haven't named a new head coach yet for the, for the Argos, and you don't hear much around about the Argonauts, Wally. Well, not many people are talking about the Argos in in February. Uh, um, and it's uh, Kevin. We always Kevin from Buffalo. We always appreciate your call. Thanks so much for calling. Uh, uh, you may have more interest in the Argos than than a lot of people in this area uh, do, especially in February. Uh, um, and hopefully we, you know, Argos have enough time, have a tough enough time generating interest when the season's on than generating interest in February. So Kevin might be the only guy, the only person thinking uh, about no, the Argos few, right there's now. There's a few, but uh, say many, Bill. Well, and that's, you know, we, we've talked about the Argos and we, you know, we're big, we're big. I'm a, I'm a CFL booster, Naz. I, I, I would love to see the Argos do well in Toronto. I thought the move to BMO uh, last year would, would change the... Uh, their fortunes from a patronage point of view, it didn't for a lot of various reasons. And I understand one of the reasons I, I complained about quite vociferously was these midweek games, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, you know, when, when, when a big chunk of the Argo fan base comes from the 905 and you're trying to get families to, uh, you know, you're trying to position yourself as an economical alternative in the sports market. And you're trying to get people to a seven o'clock game down at BMO, where getting in there by public transit. Well, I guess the Go Transit East West is pretty good. Uh, it's tough to get into BMO at seven o'clock on a midweek. And I understand that the CFL. I wouldn't call it a concession, but we're going to see less midweek games uh, for the Argos home games. That is for the Argos this year, and more more Saturday weekend games. So. I mean, and, and, and a good product on the field would, would go in some star power, uh, some, some, some good players, some character players that you can build a brand around. Uh, those are the building blocks of turning around the Argos' fortunes, and we certainly would look forward to that. I'd be the first to, to line up and support 
a successful Toronto Argonaut uh, uh, franchise. I'll tell you what the Toronto uh, Toronto uh, po- the population in Toronto cares about sports wise. I think number one is the Toronto Blue Jays. They nobody Toronto Maple no, Leafs. No, no, Wally. I'm telling you, Toronto Maple Leafs. They keep talking Blue Jays right through the year. Yeah. Josh Donaldson pulls a hamstring, and all of a sudden he's out for the yeah, year. Type thing. It's it's craziness. Blue Jay Beaver yeah, is back. I, I see it, but uh, you got to go a long way to knock the Leafs uh, off the perch. I don't know. Oh, I'm you know what? You. Uh, we'll continue to have that debate. Anyways, it's uh, we're bad. We're we're just beyond our best before uh, date here, Naz, and we're told that our hour of of fun and passion has come to an end. So got to wrap it up. Any parting words, Ness? No predictions this week. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. (laughs) Listen to all our listeners. Enjoy the rest of the Family Day weekend. Enjoy the weather. And uh, we'll be right back here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Thanks for listening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.